0: The opinions expressed in this episode do not necessarily reflect those of the Murderish podcast. Sensitive topics are discussed. Listener discretion is advised. One of the most significant food recalls in modern history all came down to a common household food. In 2015, following decades of food safety violations, Three major players from the Peanut Corporation of America would be identified as being grossly neglectful in their practices. By purchasing products from these companies, nine American consumers lost their lives, while hundreds more fell ill. It was a case of widespread neglect that impacted the entire peanut industry and fostered a strong distrust for both corporations and the government. This is Jamie, and you're listening to Murderish. Join me as I walk you through the case of Stuart Parnell and his killer company. Brings us to the Lynchburg, Virginia area. Lynchburg is a mid sized central Virginia city that sits on the James River and is located at the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Back in the late 1850s, Lynchburg was one of the richest towns per capita in the states. Its production of steel, iron, and tobacco made it a desirable hub of railroad distribution. Though the Civil War decimated the economy, Lynchburg saw a resurgence in manufacturing by the late 19th century. Today, Lynchburg is much like other inland suburban cities in the southeast U.S. There is a strong middle class with a steady flow of manufacturing jobs, although 22% of the population lives below the poverty line. Just northwest is Boonesboro, an upper-middle-class suburb of Lynchburg. Stuart Parnell, CEO of the Peanut Corporation of America, or PCA, shared a home in Boonesboro with his wife Gloria for over 30 years. The red-brick, yellow-sided home was custom-built for the Parnells in 1986. Their estate encompassed five acres and was valued at $465,000 at the time. Because Stuart worked in a 2,500-square-foot office above his garage, The estate also served as the headquarters of his company. Stuart Parnell was the oldest of three boys born to Mr. and Mrs. Hugh Parnell. He had two brothers, Hugh Jr. and Michael. The story goes that Hugh Sr. was working as a traveling salesman in the 1960s. On a journey from Baltimore to Miami and back, Hugh peddled ice cream machines to small businesses. Over time, customers in the South vented about not being able to buy peanuts in bulk. This triggered a lightbulb moment for Hugh Sr. In 1977, he began selling peanuts to consumers, ice cream manufacturers, and candy makers. That same year, he founded the Peanut Corporation of America, or PCA, which brokered and distributed specialty nuts. A small roasting facility was opened in Gorman, Texas, with profits hitting roughly $50,000 in the first year. Hugh Sr. parlayed his profits into expansion, opening two more peanut processing facilities, one in Plainview, Texas, and the other in Blakely, Georgia. By 1983, PCA's gross sales had reached $12 million. Around that time, A buyer named David Brooks visited the Gorman plant on three separate occasions. As part of his due diligence, the buyer demanded to inspect PCA's facility so he could decide whether to purchase peanuts for his employer. The plant received a failing inspection grade every time. Layers of dust coated beams and braces inside the building, and the roof leaked birds flew inside of many open and broken windows, leaving droppings everywhere. It was an unmitigated disaster. Yet somehow, the company pressed on. Hugh Sr. began to aim higher. He signed deals with bakeries and private label peanut butter sellers before moving up to national food manufacturers. The company's lax health and safety practices finally caught up to them in 1990. At that time, PCA received its first official citation from the FDA. They were fined for shipping peanut products tainted with a toxic compound known as aflatoxin. It's a mold known to cause cancer that can grow on food like peanuts, corn, and dairy products. Surprisingly, the FDA deems a certain amount of this toxin safe for human consumption but Hugh Sr. was told that his products contained unacceptable levels. Products containing peanut butter shipped from PCA's Plainview plant were recalled that summer, which negatively impacted over three dozen buyers of PCA products. A few short weeks later, on September 14, 1990, PCA ran into more legal trouble. According to documents filed in Bedford County Circuit Court, One of the manufacturers, Bunt Candy, took a big financial hit due to recalled products. In turn, the American candy Company subsidiary sued PCA for $200,000. This was the sum of estimated damages from loss of sales, storage fees, and product replacement costs. Another lawsuit involving a high concentration of aflatoxin occurred in December of 1991. In the U.S. District Court of Indiana, Zachary Confections, Inc. sued PCA for $50,000 in damages. The Frankfurt, Indiana-based company sold products like Bridge Mix, chocolate-covered peanuts, and candy corn. They had ordered a shipment of over 40,000 pounds of peanuts from PCA, only to discover through testing there were high levels of aflatoxin. Luckily, the contamination had been detected before any affected products were sold. PCA paid for the damages. In May of 1993, PCA's insurance company settled with American Candy Company for $90,000. According to Hugh Sr., however, Peanut Corp. was not entirely to blame. An Oklahoma company called Nutranut had been the supplier for PCA's Plainview plant, and he believed that they had some culpability in the matter. Later that year, PCA put this complaint to paper and filed a lawsuit against Nutranut. The company's suit claimed the shipment of peanuts from Nutranut, their supplier, had been stale or possibly rancid. Though PCA asked for two hundred thousand dollars in damages, Nutranut only forked over ten thousand dollars. Despite a succession of legal woes, PCA continued to expand. By 1994, the Gorman plant had grown to 65,000 square feet and 95 employees. Annual revenues landed around $30 million at this time. While business persisted, the company founder and president, Hugh Parnell Sr., was winding down and finally, in 1995, he retired. Both PCA and the Parnell's Pride brand were then sold to Morvin Partners. Its billionaire owner, John Cluge, had acquired several peanut processors in the 1990s. Under new ownership, the Parnells were kept on as management consultants. The year 2000 brought a new era for the Parnell family. 5 years after his father retired, Stuart Parnell repurchased PCA, making himself president and CEO. His brother, Michael, was named food broker and director of marketing. A year later, the Parnell brothers acquired peanut processing company Tidewater Blanching from Charles Pond III. As part of the business deal, Pond rented out his processing equipment and leased the Suffolk, Virginia building to PCA. The new trend of the Parnells acquiring failed processing plants carried over with their new facility in Blakely, Georgia. Since 1987, businessman David Royster Jr. had managed the Blakely, Georgia facility. When the Parnells purchased it, he co managed the facility alongside Stewart. The Blakely plant took peanuts through each step of processing from blanching or separating the nut from the skin to roasting. Granulating, salting, and finally packaging. Peanut butter was also made at the plant. All of these peanut products were sold to hundreds of manufacturers, ranging in size from homegrown small businesses to multi billion dollar companies. Although inspectors found the peanuts at Blakely may have been exposed to pesticide, it did not damper the plant's success. By 2004, PCA had tripled its revenue. It was the first time in 15 years that PCA had turned a profit. The Parnells continued their partnership with Royster Jr., purchasing a separate peanut blanching facility in eastern Virginia. And then they expanded to Texas, acquiring a processing and packaging plant in Plainview in 2004. This was a big deal. In a February 2009 article in the Atlantic Constitution, Texas was a gateway to the lucrative West Coast markets. It could mean further expansion for the company and even greater profits. It also meant newfound respect. In 2005, Stuart Parnell was appointed a member of the USDA's Peanut Standards Board as an industry expert. The board, which was established in 2003, advises the Secretary of Agriculture on quality control and the handling of imported and domestic peanuts. What the board may or may not have known was that from September 2004 to 2006, Stewart and Daniel Kilgore, the operations manager at the Blakely, Georgia plant, shipped out potentially contaminated products. They delivered peanuts and related products to distributors before receiving microbiological tests used to detect the presence of salmonella. The peanuts were often tested in batches. If the first batch tested positive and the second and third batches were negative, the first batch was deemed a false positive, and shipments continued. According to Dun & Bradstreet, a commercial analytics company, PCA realized $25 million in revenue in 2008 compared to $15 million in 2005. Their plants in Georgia, Texas, and Virginia manufactured 2.5% of the world's processed peanuts. The rags-to-riches company supplied ingredients to major players like Kellogg's, Little Debbie, and Sara Lee. PCA even had a contract with the federal government Which bought their peanuts for impoverished schoolchildren, disaster victims, and military troops from PCA. By all appearances, PCA was thriving. I recently discovered a high quality CBD that is making waves in the wellness industry. Beam is a THC free CBD that supports anyone who wants to know what better feels like. Beam was established by two ex-pro athletes who were on a mission to help improve your physical and mental state. My husband started taking Beam's dream capsules for better sleep, and he is so happy with the result. There are no psychoactive side effects. He just takes a dream capsule right before bed and enjoys more restful sleep. He wakes up feeling refreshed and ready for a productive day. Beam also makes a revived CBD capsule that is chock-full of anti-inflammatory ingredients and effective antioxidants to help you recover after vigorous activity. Perfect for people who work out a lot or have a physically demanding job. Try Beam and find your path to better. Visit beamtlc.com and use promo code MURDERISH for 15% off your order, dot com with promo code MURDERISH for 15% off. If you're like me, you want dinner to be easy and fast so you can get back to life. I've been cooking Sun Basket meals for my family and they are so delicious. The meals are fresh and ready in just a few minutes. All of us are trying to stay home as much as possible right now. So skip the grocery store and get meals made with organic produce. Sustainable seafood and meats free of antibiotics, hormones, and steroids, delivered right to your door. Some of Sunbasket's chefs are Michelin Award winners, and it shows in their food. I love Sunbasket's southwestern turkey and sweet potato skillet. I was able to heat it up in just six minutes and my family ate every last bite. There are paleo, vegetarian, Mediterranean, and gluten-free options too. Right now Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go right now to sunbasket.com/murderish and enter promo code murderish at checkout. That's sunbasket.com/murderish and enter promo code murderish at checkout. sunbasket.com/murderish and enter promo code murderish. The smooth sailing PCA was enjoying would come to a head in time and it ultimately came back to quality control or lack thereof. Mary Wilkerson, who started at PCA as a receptionist in 2002, worked her way up to office manager before being promoted to quality assurance manager in March of 2008. This meant that she was tasked with establishing quality regulations for products manufactured in all of PCA's facilities. In November of 2008, The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention identified an outbreak of salmonella, initially 13 cases in 12 states. A second cluster of outbreaks doubled the initial count. The outbreaks continued, expanding across the country. According to the Arizona Daily Star, in early January of 2009, the CDC reported that one in five victims were hospitalized. A few weeks later, the CDC was able to pinpoint peanut butter as the source of the outbreak. After the Minnesota Department of Health isolated a salmonella-contaminated sample from a jar of Nut peanut butter, the FDA launched an investigation. They traced production back to the Blakely, Georgia facility, owned and operated by the Parnells. On January 13th of 2009, only peanut butter with a specific lot number was recalled. Five days later, the recall was expanded to any peanut and peanut butter products purchased from the Parnells' Blakely factory on or after July 1st of 2008. This recall impacted popular products such as famous Amos peanut butter cookies, Austin and Keebler brand sandwich crackers, dog treats, and Perry's ice cream varieties. Then on January 28 for the third time the recall was extended to manufacturer purchases on or before January 1 of 2007 by the time the string of recalls came to a close in April of 2009 nearly 4000 products from 361 companies were recalled this marked the most extensive food recall in US history Most affected consumers fell ill after October 1, 2008, experiencing typical salmonella poisoning symptoms such as fever, severe abdominal cramps, vomiting, and diarrhea. Infants, elderly consumers, and those who were immunocompromised were among the most likely to be hospitalized. Hospitalizations were involved in 23% of cases. With severe infection spreading from a patient's intestines and traveling through their bloodstream into other organs, the recall would prove catastrophic to consumers. According to the CDC, between November of 2008 and April of 2009, there were 714 confirmed cases of people falling gravely ill. It is suspected there were 22,000 cases that went unreported. Half of those sickened were children. In total, the outbreak claimed the lives of nine people. The outbreak was directly linked to the consumption of PCA products. A February 14, 2009 Daily Press article in Newport News, Virginia, revealed the findings of a Harvard study surrounding the outbreak. The CDC routinely funds surveys on public health topics, and this study identified an abundance of consumer misinformation. While 93% of those polled knew about the salmonella outbreak and subsequent recall, one in four people believed the recall involved a national peanut butter brand. In actuality, PCA only supplied peanut butter to off-label brands not national heavy hitters like Jiff or Skippy. The article went on to say the nationwide recall led to a widespread distrust of corporations as well as the American government. Consumers felt dubious over the safeguards in place meant to protect them from corporate negligence and subsequent foodborne illness. As media coverage of the PCA scandal became more extensive, Stuart Parnell hired Thomas J. Bondurant Jr. for legal counsel. The corporate defense attorney advised Stuart's friends and family not to talk to anyone about him publicly. Stuart was one of four PCA executives who fell under scrutiny. The other three were Michael Parnell, PCA's food broker and VP of sales for Parnell's Pride, Quality Assurance Manager Mary Wilkerson, Daniel Kilgore, who worked as operations manager from June of 2002 to May of 2008, and Samuel Leitze, who took over Kilgore's position. All of them were being eyed by federal officials during a massive investigation. From the start of the investigation, Stuart Parnell chose to remain silent. On February 10th of 2009, He appeared under subpoena before the House Energy and Commerce Subcommittee for an initial hearing on the outbreak. As mentioned in a February 14th Daily Press article, Parnell listened to five minutes of lawmakers spouting off about him being greedy and uncaring, indifferent to the impact his beleaguered business has had on the lives of so many. Stewart subsequently invoked his Fifth Amendment right, refusing to testify. Five days later, PCA filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy and liquidated its assets. The Parnell family's troubles persisted. Federal investigators and Texas officials had no knowledge the Plainview, Texas PCA plant existed. Because it fell under the radar, the plant went uninspected for at least four years leading up to the outbreak. When investigators finally became aware of the facility, Production was halted. The facility was subsequently shut down after inspectors discovered dead rodents and excrement located near the ventilation system in the production room. Federal investigators surmised the contamination was intentional. They uncovered emails exchanged over the span of several years between Stuart Parnell and plant managers. In the emails, Stuart demanded products be shipped despite being told there was potential contamination. Between September of 2004 and 2008, this order to ship product was made on eight separate occasions. In October of 2006, a manufacturer and customer of PCA emailed Stewart to tell him that a shipment from them tested positive for salmonella. It's likely this shipment tested positive during PCA's internal testing and the results were disregarded. Fortunately, the manufacturer ran their own tests before shipping out products for human consumption. Stewart responded to an email, revealing the presence of Salmonella by saying, "'I am dumbfounded by what you found. It is the first time in my over 26 years in the business that I have ever seen any instance of this. We run certificates of analysis every day With tests for salmonella and have not found any instances of any, even traces of salmonella. According to Food Safety News, a month later Michael Parnell told Stewart the company could create a false certificate of analysis if necessary. It seemed the brothers had no qualms with duping their customers and innocent consumers. Investigators were able to patch together a clear picture of criminal negligence by weeding through more PCA emails. One message dated April 12th of 2007 contained an exchange between an unidentified PCA official and the national sales manager. The official stated that totes full of peanut meal needed to have the tops hosed off because they were covered in dust and rat droppings. The email was forwarded to Stuart Parnell, whose response was simply, clean them up and ship them. Even as salmonella outbreaks were becoming more widespread, between February and December of 2008, PCA shipped out over a dozen lots of peanut products, paired with false certificates of analysis. Federal officials would later find the company sent out products known to be contaminated at least 20 times during this time period. In January of 2009, the FDA inspected the PCA Blakely facility after tracing many of the contaminated peanut products back to this location, during which inspectors examined facility practices, reviewed corporate documents, and interviewed employees, including Stuart Parnell, Samuel Leitze, and Mary Wilkerson. Meanwhile lawsuits against them began to stack up. Over a dozen civil lawsuits were filed around this time, and on August 26th of 2010, a federal judge awarded victims $12 million in settlement money from PCA's insurance policy. On February 11th of 2011, a hearing was held before the House Commerce and Energy Subcommittee in Washington, D.C., The family members of those sickened or killed as a result of the salmonella outbreak demanded criminal charges be brought against former PCA officials. They did not think the settlement money was enough of a punishment. Many of them shared their stories of horrendous pain and suffering. Barbara Ivester, the wife of a 70-year-old man hospitalized for 12 days after eating contaminated crackers, said what Stewart did was just as bad as murder. The only thing about it he didn't know was who he was killing. Another victim, 72-year-old Shirley Elmer, had been hospitalized for lung cancer and a brain tumor around the time of the outbreak. While she was in rehab, she had eaten toast topped with contaminated peanut butter. On the day she was originally scheduled for release, her family was faced with grave news. She had died as a result from eating the peanut butter toast. In addressing Congress, Almer's son Jeffrey was quoted as saying, Cancer couldn't claim her, but peanut butter did. And then there was Lou Tosignan. His father, Clifford, had been a highly decorated Korean War veteran and a triple Purple Heart recipient. He told the subcommittee, we thought Dad could win in any battle and overcome every obstacle. I never would have thought that something he ate would cost him his life. Those who spoke out about the impact the recall had on their lives came to realize the government was on their side. Stuart F. Delery from the U.S. Justice Department Civil Division affirmed, When food or drug manufacturers lie and cut corners, they put us all at risk the Department of Justice will not hesitate to pursue any person whose criminal conduct risks the safety of Americans who have done nothing more than eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. In February of 2013, after a four-year investigation, the U.S. Department of Justice filed a 76-count indictment against all five PCA officials involved. According to court documents, Stuart Parnell, Michael Parnell, and Samuel Leitze were charged predominantly with knowingly and willfully devising a scheme to defraud and to obtain money and property by means of false and fraudulent pretenses, representations, and promises. Both Samuel Leitze and his predecessor, Daniel Kilgore, cut a deal with prosecutors to avoid a jury trial and receive shorter sentences. In exchange, both men agreed to testify at the federal trial. The two former managers pleaded guilty to conspiracy, mail and wire fraud, and the sale of misbranded and adulterated food. In 2015, Kilgore was sentenced to six years at Oakdale Prison in Louisiana. At the time of this recording, Kilgore may have been moved into a halfway house over a month before his scheduled release due to COVID-19. Leitze was sentenced to 36 months in prison with three years of supervised release. He was released after about two years. As for the Parnell brothers and Mary Wilkerson, they faced felony charges. The Parnell brothers were charged with fraud and conspiracy while the former quality control manager, Mary Wilkerson, was hit with two felony counts of obstruction of justice. In the past, one benefit to working from home was wearing yoga pants all day. After I found Beta Brand's Dress Pant Yoga Pants, I was finally able to look stylish and office-appropriate but feel like I'm wearing yoga pants. Beta Brand's customer favorite Dress Pant Yoga Pants are made of the most comfortable, wrinkle-free, stretch-knit fabric. And these pants are a perfect fit they don't cut into your love handles like most other work slacks. No more unbuttoning your work pants to sit down. Dress pant yoga pants are made to feel like yoga pants and there are a bunch of different styles and colors to choose from. Right now, our listeners can get 25% off their first order when you go to betabrand.com slash murderish. That's 25% off your order for a limited time at betabrand.com slash murderish find out why women are ditching typical work pants for Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants. Go to betabrand.com/murderish for 25% off. The 35-day trial began on July 28th of 2014 in Albany, Georgia. Curiously, neither Wilkerson nor the two Parnell brothers were being charged for murder. In fact, before the trial even began, prosecutors had agreed not to mention the death toll to jurors. The prosecution first called Dr. Darlene Coart to the stand, who framed the microbiological testing process for Peanuts and how it's documented. The defense fired back that the government was going after small business, not big-league companies like Kellogg's. Samuel Leitze testified early on in the trial and pointed blame squarely at Stuart Parnell. Leitze testified that Stewart ordered him to ship peanut products despite knowing they had tested positive for salmonella. Leitze also confirmed certificates of analysis were falsified to cover up sending out lots without test results. In his own words, according to an AP Denver Post article dated August 9th of 2014, Leitze stated, if they didn't require it, it did not get tested. The jury was shocked to hear salmonella tests were not required by federal law. Over the course of trial, Leitze would spend over six days on the witness stand. He was the prosecution's star witness, pivotal in establishing how deception was part of everyday business at the Blakely plant. He claimed that food company giant Kellogg's was kept in the dark not only about contamination, but also the sourcing of peanuts. Leitze testified that peanuts sold to Kellogg's often came from Mexico and were a different variety of peanut than promised. Presented alongside Leitze were photographs confirming sanitation issues at the Blakely plant. The photos showed evidence of water leaks that allowed mold and mildew to thrive. Visible water stains under a vent in the packaging room and plastic tarps depicted that workers had thrown over food products as a half-hearted measure to keep things dry. The jury must have been shocked to learn what Lightsey said next. He told the courtroom about a pellet gun kept on site that workers used to shoot the countless birds who flew in and out of open windows. Lightsey then testified about Mary Wilkerson. He said she was not qualified for her position though he acknowledged Wilkerson committed wrongdoing. He mentioned how hard she worked on the company recall. Daniel Kilgore was then called to the stand. Just as Leitze had, Kilgore confirmed the legitimacy of various documents making them admissible in court. This confirmation is what made their testimonies essential to the prosecution. Any violations of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetics Act Require the government to prove 11 different food industry customers suffered extensive monetary losses. According to Food Safety News, almost 4,000 companies recalled close to 4,000 products. A total of 1 billion in property damages were incurred by manufacturers who had shipped these contaminated peanut products. A similar case was mentioned in press coverage of the trial. In 2007, ConAgra, makers of Peter Pan peanut butter, had instituted a recall from a salmonella outbreak. They paid an $8 million fine plus $3.2 million in cash forfeitures, which was the highest criminal fine in a U.S. food safety case, according to CNN. While ConAgra had failed to test adequately out of laziness, Peanut Corporation of America had knowingly sent out contaminated products. In the eyes of government officials, it had been a deliberate act. Over the course of trial, the prosecution called 45 witnesses to testify and presented over a thousand documents into evidence. The defense's only witness was Jean Parnell, Michael's wife, who served as a character witness. This was an attempt by the defense to get jurors to see Stewart differently, no easy task when their clients stood accused of negligent practices that led to mass illness and deaths. On September 19th of 2014, the 12-member jury arrived at their verdicts. The Parnell brothers and Mary Wilkerson were all found guilty. 60-year-old Stewart Parnell was found guilty of 67 counts that included fraud, conspiracy, obstruction of justice, and introducing misbranded and adulterated food into interstate commerce. As recapped in a 2014 Food Safety News article by Dan Flynn, Michael Moore, the U.S. District Attorney for the Middle District of Georgia, expressed how he hoped the verdicts would put the food industry on notice that it is now going to be held responsible for foodborne illnesses. In October of 2014, the Parnell brothers filed a motion for a new trial. Defense attorney Thomas J. Bondurant Jr. argued that jurors considered extrinsic evidence by doing research on their own into deaths resulting from the outbreak, which should not have been allowed. Stewart also filed a motion for acquittal on numerous charges. The Parnells' efforts were unsuccessful as all of their convictions were upheld and the motion for a new trial was rejected. Before the sentencing hearing, prosecutors established outbreak victims as crime victims under law, which would allow them to give victim impact statements during sentencing hearings, which several affected people did. On September 16th of 2015, all five of the convicted PCA officials Gathered once more in the Albany, Georgia courtroom to hear the consequences of their actions. Stuart Parnell was sentenced to 28 years in prison, while Michael Parnell was sentenced to 20 years. Because Stuart was 60 years old at the time and Michael was 55, these prison terms essentially amounted to life in prison. Mary Wilkerson was sentenced to five years in a federal women's prison. Today, the Parnell brothers continue to serve their sentences in separate minimum security prisons. Stewart is serving his time at the Hazleton Federal Correctional Institute in West Virginia, while Michael is at Fort Dix, New Jersey. Mary Wilkerson completed her sentence and was released in February of 2020. In a 2009 article in the Jasper Indiana edition of The Herald, the National Peanut Council summed up the case well. They indicated that a single irresponsible company with little regard for the welfare of its customers has caused untold financial damage to farmers, many food companies, and the peanut industry as a whole. As an outcome of public outcry, in 2011, Congress passed the Food Safety Modernization Act, or FSMA the new legislation gives the FDA more resources and enforcement power to make foodborne illnesses easier to prevent. It also gives the agency more of an active role in the way food is grown, harvested, and processed. The FSMA has led to a food safety dashboard, which fosters consumer transparency and corporate compliance to new standards. According to the FDA's website, food recalls have officially reached a five-year low. Stuart Parnell was the first corporate executive to serve time for food safety violations. To many in the food manufacturing industry, this case served as a cautionary tale to be heeded by anyone tempted by shortcuts. In the case of Peanut Corporation of America, greed and gross negligence fostered a killer company. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Murderish. Check out Murderish.com if you want to buy Murderish merch like t-shirts, face masks, and more. If you can't get enough of Murderish, subscribe to our Patreon service to get immediate access to bonus content only available to Patreon subscribers. A big thank you goes out to Rachel C., Jared B., Maddie G., Holly S., and Diana T. for becoming Patreon supporters. I appreciate you all. If you haven't joined the Murderish Facebook discussion group, do it. We have a lot of fun in there. You can also find me on Twitter at MurderishPod and on Instagram at MurderishPodcast. I've been doing a lot of interactive Q&As on IG stories, so follow me on Instagram at MurderishPodcast if you want to participate. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, tell a friend about Murderish or write a review in your favorite podcast app. Murderish is mixed and mastered by John and Jessica Buchanis of Audio Editing Solutions. Music is by Nico of We Talk of Dreams. This episode was researched and written by Alison Schwartz. Stick around after the closing music to hear a promo for another true crime podcast called Murder Diaries and hit subscribe while you're listening. After the promo, you'll hear a list of sources for this episode. As always, ishers, thank you for joining me on another episode of Murderish. And remember, listening to this podcast doesn't make you a murderer, it just means you're murder-ish. wondered why women are so obsessed with true crime. It's dark and twisty and creepy and we're totally here for it and we know you are too. This is Paige and I'm Natalie. We're the hosts of the Murder Diaries podcast. Take a dive with us into a new true crime story every Thursday. We cover murders like Shanda Scherer who was burned alive by her BFFs, and The Mysterious Death of Kanika Jenkins. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Until then, better safe than dead. Sources for this episode include an Associated Press article from the News Advance dated August 9th of 2014, an Associated Press article dated February 22nd of 2013, Another Associated Press article in the Arizona Daily Star dated January 12th of 2009. An Associated Press article in the Denver Post dated August 9th of 2014. A Daily Press Newport News, Virginia article by Lindsay Sue and Brett J. Blackledge dated February 14th of 2009. A May 11th, 2009 article at cdc.gov. An article in the Atlanta Constitution dated February 8, 2009 by Dan Chapman and Margaret Newkirk, a February 23, 2009 article in The Herald" by S.E. Durshotz. An article dated September 1, 2015 at pewtrust.org by Sandra Eskin. A food safety news article dated February 9 of 2020 by Dan Flynn. An article by Dan Flynn in the Food Safety News dated September 21st of 2015. An article in the Atlantic Constitution dated September 19th, 2015 by Matt Kempner. A Columbia University Press article dated June 10th, 2014 by John Krampner. A South Bergenite article dated January 28th, 2009 by Michael Lamondola. An article in the Washington Post dated February 15th, 2009 by Nick Miroff and Lindsay Layton, an article at FDA.gov dated September 30th of 2019 by Frank Iannas and Norman E. Sharpless, a Daily Press article dated February 14th of 2009 by Mike Stoby, a February 15th, 2013 article at justice.gov. Seeking the truth never gets old.